Escape to Ocean City, Maryland, and discover a place that just feels lighter, where every day feels like Saturday and french fries are a food group, where flip-flops are always in fashion and seafood is always in season, where the boardwalk is bustling and the beach is right outside your door, where you can rise with the tide and feel like a kid again. Ocean City, Maryland, somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at oceocean.com. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Scared to death is explicit in every way. Please take care while listening. Whether thou art a ghost that hath come from the earth, or a phantom of night that hath no hollow, or one that lieth dead in the desert, or a ghost unburied, or a demon, or a ghoul, whatever thou be until thou art removed, thou shalt find here no water to drink. Thou shalt not stretch forth thy hand to our own. Into our house enter thou not. Through our fence break through thou not. We are protected, though we may be frightened. Our life you may not steal, though we may be scared to death. Welcome to Scared to Death, Creeps, Peepers, Roberts, and Annabelles. I'm Dan. Hello, Dan. Hello, Lindsay. Mm-hmm. Hi. Uh, recording in advance, per usual, just wanted to say uh, real quick up top that our thoughts are with the uh, people recovering from the devastating wildfires in Maui. Oh my gosh. And definitely thinking of the, uh, you know, the many people who have lost loved ones in that uh, tragedy. Yeah, sending so much aloha to all the people there. Dan and I, as many people who have ever traveled to Hawaii, any of its islands, we had a magical honeymoon there. Mm -hmm. And then we had a really, really, really special family trip to, uh, we've never been to Maui, but to Kauai. And it was just like a really pivotal holiday with our family. And it just such a beautiful, magical place. Mm -hmm. And these fires feel especially devastating to a community of people. Just, I don't know. It just has really been upsetting to watch. Absolutely. Uh, in positive news, uh, thank you again for the ratings and reviews lately, uh, especially new creeps and peepers. We've had uh, uh, been lucky to have a lot of new listeners. And again, just hope you stick around. And if you like the show, uh, leave a rating, leave a review, give us some five stars and help us find new people. Yeah, don't know where you came from, but glad you did. And then also, uh, hope you were able to see my new stand-up special, Trying to Get Better, which uh, is now out on YouTube, on the Bad Magic uh, YouTube channel. Uh, watch it this week, like, share, talk about it. Uh, please like me. Please. <laughs> Please. And then I know you were going to mention uh, charity because I don't think we did that this month yet. I also just want to like acknowledge your guns. Can we all discuss how J- Dan is just like jacked right now? Can I don't we know just why get, I'm looking different. Can we just get one little like, what is that? Where did that come from? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just bringing a little light and uh, humor to the show. <laughs> I love it when Tyler makes that noise. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> It's my R&B um, voice. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's like the backup guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got this, like Casey and JoJo. Oh, yeah. <gasps> oh, my God. Casey and JoJo. You're taking me back to seventh and eighth grade. Wow. That was beautiful. Uh, just a one last time for the month of August, a reminder that this month's charity is Sustainable Alamance, a nonprofit based in North Carolina, whose mission is to focus on and help individuals 
who are formerly incarcerated gain and sustain employment um, so that they can live within uh, their communities and be, you know, contributing members of their community. And the thing when we were trying to choose for this month that really stood out with us, stood out to us was this beautiful quote. We believe that you can give a man fish and even teach a man to fish, but we must also ensure access to the lake. And that's just... Yeah, it's such a great ah, addition to that. Yeah, so powerful. Uh, if you'd like to learn more about Sustainable Alamance, you can visit their website at sustainablealamance.org. Uh, 13950 dollars headed their way and then setting aside an additional $1,546 for the scholarship fund for 2024. Yep. 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 Good stuff. And now horror. Horror. I'm just putting my phone on my watch on Do Not Disturb. So. How how many stories do you have, Lindsay Lou? And happy anniversary since uh, it's past our anniversary, but oh. you know, uh, just saying it uh, on this episode. Yeah. You look so beautiful. Love you more now than I did uh, the day we were married. That's nice. Yeah. I love how awkward you get with stuff like that. <laughs> no. The cutest. The yeah. cutest. <laughs> uh, yes. Thank you for a lovely anniversary of uh, seven years. Yeah. Okay. Three stories this week. Um, my first story about a traveler stopping to grab a bite to eat and a strange encounter in a diner. Mm. And then a second tale. Y'all know I have like a weird thing about aliens and this f- feels like it could be. Or maybe not, but definitely like some questionable behaviors happening in the night. And then my third and final tale, something we're all afraid of. What's in the closet? What comes out to get you at night? Uh, I have my normal two. The first involves a woman who spent her long life in New Hampshire centuries ago being mistreated for being a supposed witch. Oh, man. Does her angry spirit now behave in ways similar to how people worried she was acting like in life? Uh, did the torment she received unfairly create the monster her former neighbors worried about? You know what? Actually, I hope so. I hope anybody who was burned as a witch just comes back and just mm. wreaks havoc. And she, and she wasn't burned, but, but man, she was a lifetime of mistreatment. You'll see. Uh, and then for my second story, what do you do, if anything, if your child is regularly seeing ghosts in your home, ghosts that you can't see, but you do find proof that what she's saying sure does not seem made up? Huh. Okay. Uh, yeah, and then uh, that's that's it. Are you socked and loaded? I'm socked and loaded. Hold on. I just have on a very short dress today because it's about 100 degrees outside, so I had to get blanketed. Look at these babies. Can you see that? They're so funny. Skilla gay. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, we were laughing so hard. I have another pair with aliens on it. They say thalians. Mm-hmm. And Dan's like looking at it. He's like, Yeah, it took me a second to get it. What does that say? <laughs> so I love these. Thank you to the fans who send in these awesome socks. Uh, Okay, so fair amount of historical setup on this first story before I jump into anything spooky. Uh, Also, just a quick note when it comes to the historical details, you know, source is a bit inconsistent with certain dates and events. How dare you? How dare these sources do that? Uh, Eunice Cole, often referred to by her title of Goody Cole, was a woman who lived in New England during the 17th century. She was known towards the end of her life as the Witch of Hampton. Ow. Eunice Cole didn't live long, or I'm sorry, she lived a long time. I uh, I wrote that actually my first draft when I messed up the dates and I was like, oh, she only lived like, like 20 years. No, <laughs> she's lived almost 100 years. Uh, she was born in 1590, uh, died in 1680, spent most of her life in what is now Hampton, New Hampshire, small coastal town of about 16,000 people now, but a rural area of only a few dozen people in Goody's lifetime. Goody is still the only woman convicted of the crime of witchcraft in New Hampshire. We know little to nothing about her early years. 
After her birth, she uh, shows up in the historical record in 1625 when she is 25 years old, married a man named William Cole, a man twice her age. Both she and William worked as indentured servants for Matthew Craddock, a London merchant and the first governor of the Massachusetts Bay Company, founded way back in 1628. Craddock would never visit the Massachusetts Bay Colony, but owned a lot of property and numerous businesses in the New World. After finishing their service for Craddock in 1637, the Coles sailed from England to Boston, Massachusetts. Their passage cost just 10 pounds back then. Once arriving in the New World in Boston, they were granted two acres of land on Mount Wollaston in modern-day Quincy, Massachusetts. Mm. But the Coles wouldn't live on it for long. They left for Exeter, New Hampshire by the end of the year. The Coles were followers of Reverend John Wheelwright, a Puritan clear a Puritan clergyman who was banished from the Massachusetts Bay Colony during the antinomian controversy, which was religious and political conflict that lasted from 1636 to 1638. They moved to Exeter, uh, from Exeter to Hampton and then received a 40-acre parcel of land just east of where a Baptist church currently sits on Winniconnet Road. And very quickly, Goody Cole made a name for herself, just not a good name. She quickly became very unpopular with her new neighbors. Historian Joseph Dow described her as an ill-natured and ugly, uh, or as ill-natured and ugly, artful and aggravating, malicious and revengeful. I don't know why, but I already like her. <laughs> Goody Cole is said to have had no friends and her neighbors both hated and feared her. Strange rumors began to spread about her and soon local children made it a game to peek in her windows, then run away with tales of seeing demons or even the devil himself sitting at the woman's kitchen table, making her a more and more fearsome figure in the village. Once, Goody Cole was on her porch when she saw a boat going down the river with the family on board. The children on board began to call her a witch, and according to the website New Hampshire Tour Guide, she responded with, You are brave today, but I hear the little waves laugh and tell me that broth, that the broth that awaits you at home will be very, very cold. The boat was caught in a storm downstream and then sunk. Oh, no. Neither the boat nor its passengers were ever seen again, and Goody Cole was, of course, suspected of somehow causing that tragedy if she even ever said that, uh, causing it through some supposed mastery of the dark arts. I like it. Because of stories like this, and this is one of many similar claims, Goody would be formally accused of witchcraft, not just once, but three times in her life. She was first accused of witchcraft in 1656. She was summoned to a trial in Boston, charged with bringing sickness to her enemies, killing their animals, and knowing secrets about people with the devil's assistance. A farmer who lost two calves testified against her, as well as two housewives who claimed to have heard strange noises whenever they said Goody Cole's name. And Goody was found guilty of familiarity with the devil. She was ordered to be whipped <gasps> and sentenced to an indefinite prison term. After taking her lashings, she was imprisoned until 1662, so six years. She was then able to secure her release only by, by arguing that her aging husband, William, needed her help at home. While she was in prison, William, worried that she would never be released and that he would then be forced to vacate their shared property, petitioned to have the property deed changed into his name. But then he died the same year his wife was freed. After uh -oh. his death, the court now invalidated Eunice's claim on her own land and ordered the town to seize her property. She was provided a shack, food, and heat by the townspeople, uh, but not for long. As part of her release condition, she was banished, required to leave the colony within a month, but she refused to do so. Having no home now, no ability or legal means to buy a home, and nowhere else to go, Goody was in and out of prison for the next 10 years. In 1673, she was once again charged with witchcraft, but was acquitted due to insufficient evidence. This time, she was accused of attempting to make a young girl live with her, shape-shifting into an animal, 
And for such offenses as that of making bread ferment and give forth evil odors that housekeepers could only dispel by prayer, she was several times whipped and ducked by the constable. So whipped for making sourdough, noted. Whipped for making stinky bread. In 1680, the townspeople charged Goody, now 90 years old. Oh my God! A third time with witchcraft, bringing up past and present claims against her. Although there was insufficient proof, she was still ordered to be confined to prison with a lock put around her leg. Seems excessive for an elderly woman. I mean, come on. Uh, But they were apparently, you know, terribly worried about her witchy powers. And then she was actually sentenced to death when a woman named Anna Dalton declared that her child, and Anna seems very unstable here, declared that her child was changed in its cradle by Goody Cole. Her husband, Ezra Dalton, tried to convince her that it was still Anna's child in the cradle, but his wife refused to listen. According to the 19th century book, Myths and Legends of Our Own Time by Charles Skinner, she said, "'Tis no child of mine, tis an imp. Don't you see how old and shrewd it is, how wrinkled and ugly? It does not take my milk. It is sucking my blood and wearing my skin and bone." Uh, wearing me to skin and bone. Anna told her husband, rake the coals out and put the child in them. Goody coal will fly fast enough when she hears it screaming and will come down chimney in the shape of an owl or a bat and take the thing away. Then we will have our little one back. So she now thinks her own baby is not her baby and an imp. Yeah, and let's just burn it alive. Yep. Ezra Dalton prayed that his wife would change her heart and accept their child. The sun was setting as he prayed and a halo surrounded the baby's face, according to the story. Anna Dalton looked at her child and now recognized her child again. And then she urged Ezra to ride to their local justice and demand Goody Cole's freedom. He rode through the night to Ipswich to talk to the justice. That morning, the justice wrote an order for Goody Cole's release. But then Goody Cole died a few months later in October. The townspeople discovered that she had passed when they noticed that no smoke had come from her chimney for a few days. They went to check on her. They decided to bury her outside her shack and also drive a stake through her heart to exercise the powers of evil that possessed her in life. Totally, totally. The exact location of her grave is unknown, but believed to be near the modern-day Tuck Museum on 40 Park Avenue in Hampton. In 1937, the year before the 300th anniversary of the town's founding, residents of Hampton organized the Society in Hampton Beach for the apprehension of those falsely accusing Eunice Goody Cole of having familiarity with the devil, shortened to the Goody Cole Society. In a meeting on March 8th, 1938, the town formally cleared Goody Cole's name and restored her as a citizen in good standing. They burned the record, convicting her of witchcraft, put the ashes in an urn. The urn was supposed to be buried, but was forgotten and can now be found at the Tuck Museum. Somehow, uh, this belated act of absolution seemed to maybe have awakened Goody's spirit and angered it. Who could blame Goody if she was furious? This recognition validated that she had, in fact, been treated beyond horribly for most of her life, persecuted and punished over and over again, based on nothing more than a combination of being generally disliked and superstition. From late 1938 to 1963, residents of Hampton now frequently claimed to see a strange woman wandering through town. She was elderly, with blue eyes and graying hair. She sometimes approached and spoke to people, often asking them where they could find the memorial for Goody Cole. One night, a local police officer saw this old woman in the cemetery, carefully reading each headstone. When he asked her what she was doing, she said she was walking around, and then, pretty creepy, supposedly said that she had been doing so for hundreds of years. Spooked, he now tried to shine his light on her, but she vanished. While this apparition hasn't been seen as often since 1963, for reasons that of course are unknown, reports still trickle in that Goody Cole's spirit still haunts the area. In recent years, she nearly is always spotted along Island Path Road. There have been numerous claims of either strange lights spotted in the area, 
were a mysterious shadowy figure witnessed, seemingly always on foggy nights and mornings. The following is an anonymous, seemingly modern encounter story, no dates were given, from someone who claims to have witnessed the Spiri of Goody Cole numerous times when she was a young girl. Time now for the tale of the Shadow Woman. I've seen strange things for as long as I can remember. Lights, shadows, noises, things not of this world. I would often tell my mother about seeing moving shadows or speaking with strange people who would suddenly appear in my room. It terrified her and also angered my father, who always accused me of making up the stories for attention. My mother soon confided to my grandmother what I was claiming, and my grandmother took me aside and told me that she believed me. She said she saw things too, that her and I were special in that way, but that we mustn't tell anyone about what we saw unless we knew they were like us and that we could trust them. She said that no one else would understand and that they would write us off as being either crazy or as liars or both. Hearing that gave me more comfort than I can possibly describe. I loved my grandma so much, but then she died just before my eighth birthday, and I was alone with my encounters again. A year after she passed, my family moved to Hampton, New Hampshire, when my dad took a better job there. We moved into a small house near the beach. I remember the first day we got there. The weather was beautiful, warm, and sunny. Our home looked so perfect and felt so safe and inviting. But then the sun went down, and our new home didn't feel safe at all. It felt dangerous. I don't recall seeing anything for the first month, but I certainly felt things, starting that very first night. I felt things just like I had at our previous house, only this time, I was afraid. Normally, I could sense several spirits or presences at one time, but here I only felt one. I couldn't see it, but I felt it lurking outside the house. I was too scared to go to sleep at night, and for the first time in my life, my parents had to put a nightlight in my room. They thought it was the stress of the move that was upsetting me. I was afraid to tell them the truth. Then, after about a month in that house, I saw her. I still vividly remember that night. I was jolted awake from a deep sleep. I sat up in bed and could sense that something was watching me, something that didn't like me, had bad intentions towards me. I crept out of bed and pulled back the curtains of my window just an inch, just enough to peek outside. And what I saw made me suck in a giant gasp of air and stumble back. A shadowy figure stood in the grass in front of my window, facing towards me. It had the shape of, the, of a woman. With the glow of the moon and the streetlight, I could barely make out the details of her long hair and dress. After the initial shock, I remember my grandmother's advice to avoid looking at whatever was scaring me and to pray for it to go away. She warned me that negative spirits thrive off of fear. I tried my best to follow her instructions, but my young mind couldn't focus on anything other than the strange shadow standing outside my bedroom window. I knew, just knew with certainty, that she wanted to do me harm. Evil was the word that came to mind. I was convinced that she wanted to get me, and that it was only a matter of time before she did. I woke up in the middle of the night every night for roughly the next week, and every time I looked out my window, I saw a dark figure standing there. I started to call her the Shadow Woman. I fell into a pattern of exhaustion by day and extreme alertness and paranoia at night. It didn't take long for my mother to notice that something was wrong. One day I was sitting at the table trying to do my homework, fighting to keep my eyes open when my body tried to force me into sleep. My mother was in the middle of cooking dinner and paused to talk to me. What's going on, sweetie? She asked. You look exhausted. Are you not sleeping well? Don't tell me you've been staying up all night reading again. We've talked about how important it is for you to get enough rest. No, mama, I answered. I haven't been reading all night. I just can't sleep. She placed a comforting hand on my shoulder. Why not? She asked. Is the nightlight in your room not helping? You know, there's no reason to be afraid at night. Your father and I are always right here in the house with you. 
That brought me zero comfort. I knew they couldn't keep me safe from the shadow woman lurking outside my room at night if she chose to make her way in. Quietly, worried about how my mother would respond, but too exhausted to make up some cover story, I confessed the truth. I see a woman outside my window at night. She scares me. I wanted nothing more than for my mother to believe me, to tell me that everything would be all right, that she would make the bad woman go away. But I knew the chances of that were little to none. My mother took a deep, calming breath. By now, she was used to my talk of shadows and spirits, but this was the first time that I'd ever been truly deeply frightened by them. We've talked about this, she said firmly. I'm sorry that your grandmother filled your head with that nonsense, but none of it is real. She must have seen the disappointment in my eyes. You know what I think? I think you have vivid dreams. I read about it in one of the books that your doctor recommended. Our minds can trick us into believing the strangest things. If you're feeling frightened, when you wake up, just remember, it's only a dream. She gave me a gentle pat on the back and went back to cooking dinner. But it wasn't a dream. For somewhere around the next month, night after night, I would finally fall asleep after an hour or so of anxious tossing and turning, wake up a few hours later, check the window, and see the shadow woman watching me. It was terrible. And worse still, every night it seemed like she was a little closer than the night before, moving inch by inch before she would finally make her way inevitably inside the house. And then one night, that's exactly what she did. I'll always remember that it was a Friday night. I was exhausted from a long week of school and homework, but I was excited to spend the next two days riding my bike and going to the beach. It was supposed to be one of our last warm weekends before the start of fall, and I planned to enjoy every minute. For the first night in a long, long time, maybe I just wore myself out with so much constant worrying. I fell asleep easily, envisioning myself riding my bike with the wind blowing through my hair, feeling the warm sand under my feet and the sun. I woke up on my back. My eyes flew open. I could sense a heavy presence in my room. I noticed that my room was dark, my nightlight was out, and my door was open. As my body became more awake, I felt fingers wrapping around my ankle, which was sticking out from underneath the covers. I couldn't scream, I couldn't move anything but my eyes. I looked down and I saw her. I processed what I saw in pieces. The shadow woman was in my room. The shadow woman was standing in front of my bed. The shadow woman was touching me, grabbing me. And also, she wasn't just a shadow any longer. I could see many more details than before. She looked old, had silver hair so bright it almost glowed. Her eyes were blue and alive and not looking at me with any kindness. Well, my body was paralyzed except for my eyes, but my mind was anything but frozen. It was filled with frantic, racing, terrifying thoughts. I was certain that the woman was going to do something to hurt me, and there was nothing I could do to stop her. But how would she hurt me? Would she climb upon me and place her hand over my mouth, smothering me until I died from suffocation? Would she pull my body down, grab my paralyzed head in both hands, sharply twist, and snap my neck? Or would it be something even worse and more gory than those possibilities, something drawn out and exceptionally painful? And when I was dead, what would become of my soul? I'd never been so terrified my entire life. As if my fear gave her strength, her grip on my ankle tightened. With one swift movement, she jerked my body closer down towards the edge of the bed. I felt her other hand grab onto my other leg. My mind fought my body, trying to overpower the control she had over me so I could do something, anything, to try and escape. Help! I finally cried. But of course the sound could only be heard in my mind. The words still wouldn't come out, but I kept trying. Help! Help me! Nothing but silence to the outside world. The shadow woman leaned over me, bringing her face just a few inches from mine. Her eyes gleamed with sinister delight. I tried calling out for my mother. Help! Mama! Mama! But still, no actual sound left my mouth. As the seconds passed, I knew my mother wouldn't be coming to save me. How could she be if she couldn't hear me? 
The shadow woman was going to take me, and no one would ever know what really happened. The shadow woman leaned in even closer, and now I noticed that instead of making me feel chilled like I'd experienced previously when she was looking at me from the yard, she emitted a burning heat so hot that it felt like it was going to sear my skin. Somehow, I was finally able to find my real voice, and this time I screamed, Mama, help! as loudly as I could. A moment later, I heard pounding footsteps racing down the hall. The shadow woman turned her head as my mother came barreling through the door, then stopped short as she saw the woman's figure standing over my bed. My mother was frozen for a moment, just like I was. And not from fear alone, from some kind of dark powers. The shadow woman was hurting her, too. Her body started to shake, and she made a horrible choking noise, like she couldn't get enough air in. Now I was filled with both fear and despair because of me, the shadow woman was going to kill us both. But then my father ran into the room, and everything stopped when he flicked on the lights. The shadow woman disappeared completely and instantly. My mother unfroze and collapsed to the floor, but then quickly stood up and ran to me, wrapping me up in her arms and crushing me against her. What the hell is going on? My very confused father shouted. Mother ignored him. She ran her hands all over me and frantically asked, Are you all right? Are you hurt? I had a hard time speaking. My throat burned as if I'd been screaming for hours. I, I, I saw her, Mama. You saw her too. It wasn't a question. She hugged me tightly and whispered in my ear, Yes. Then she turned to my father and told him in a shaky voice, She had a nightmare. Do you not hear her screaming? I didn't hear anything. I woke up when you ran out of the bedroom like the house was on fire. He sat on my bed and turned to me. You're having nightmares again? I nodded, feeling hopeful now that my mother believed my story. Yes, I saw. My mom shook her head at me, but it was too late. Not this again, he said, getting up and walking to the door. Listen, honey, nightmares are just dreams. They're not real. Don't let anyone tell you different. And he gave my mother an accusatory look. My father soon went back to bed, but my mother stayed with me the whole night. When I woke up the following morning, it was the first time I'd rested since we'd moved in. The next day after my father left for work, my mother told me that she woke up in the middle of the night on her back just like I was. She couldn't move, but she heard me calling for help. She said she could hear my screaming in her mind, and that at first she couldn't do anything to help me. Then she heard me screaming out loud and was suddenly able to move. When she came to my room, she saw the woman standing over me. She told me she had never felt so afraid or helpless in her entire life. That evening, I wasn't supposed to listen, but I overheard her talking to my father. I heard her say that she didn't care whether he believed her or not. If we didn't move out as soon as possible, she was going somewhere else and she was taking me with her. Father was beyond frustrated and angry, but he loved us both. And a week later, we moved into a rental home in a different part of the city. And I never saw the shadow woman again. I never sensed her presence near the house either, but I did have a feeling she was still out there, somewhere. Years later, at a bonfire party in high school, I heard the story of Goody Cole. One of my friends pointed out that I had lived near her old property, and that's when it all made sense. Goody, who was accused of being a witch time and time again, hated and harmed by the townsfolk, disrespected in death, was looking for revenge. I just so happened to be one of her unfortunate victims. Eventually, I graduated high school and moved away. Although I still visit, visited my parents, I never stayed for long. I didn't want to risk the ghost of Goody Cole ever finding me again. Yeek. That's good. Yeah, it's like a, I, like, I like that mashup of uh, uh, legend, a lot of details, and then, uh, you know, like a kind of a shorter, more succinct, like modern encounter story. Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, here's a, a cool picture of Eunice, Goody Cole, uh, from a series called The Witches of New England. How do you get from Eunice to Goody? I don't know how that nickname Especially yeah, came Especially for about. someone who's so naughty. Uh, you can order this on Etsy from Dark Soulless Art, $24. Not a paid plug. I just really like it. And I like the series a lot, too. It's a, yeah. There's a lot of cool little details in these uh, illustrations. And then this next one, just a witchy photo from an article about Goody, posted at wokq.com. Mm -hmm. Again, just looks cool. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, this next picture, uh, this is Eunice uh, Huthart from American Gladiators. I found this pic just trying okay. to find a, pictures of a woman named Eunice. Now, which American gladiator was she? <laughs> it's early. She was Blaze. Uh, She's Blaze? Uh-huh. She was a contestant from the UK who won the show. I got to look her up later because I feel like mm-hmm. that's she, not what I remember Blaze looking then like. Then she was invited to be a gladiator. She's from Liverpool. She went on to become a stunt double for actresses like Mila Jovovich, Angelina Jolie, and Uma Thurman. I can see that. So, very successful Eunice. All right. Way to go, Eunice. Then I tried to find a goodie. And this next picture is Jenna Ortega playing Goody Adams from the Adams family. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that's uh this uh, she's Goody is Wednesday Adams ancestor from the 1600s. Okay. Yep, in the in the season 1 of when of uh, Wednesday. It is fun to watch uh young actors or actresses just, you know, go beyond like the Disney show. Totally. Totally. Yeah. yeah no, she- Jenna Ortega, I mean the kids love her, but yeah, she's a uh, I'm like, "Oh yeah, like uh, we, I think we first saw her in You." And I'm like, "She's great." Oh, well, that was the first time you saw her. I worked with her saw, yeah. like a million years Whoa. ago on Little Rascals. That's cool. Oh, that's cool. I yeah, forgot about when that. When she was just like a tiny little nugget. Man. And I remember then people were like, this kid's going places. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. She couldn't have been more than, gosh, somewhere between six and nine. Oh, wow. Yeah. So good for her. She yeah. really, yeah. She's killing it. Crushing it. Um, okay. Do you think that Goody was always naughty? Like, was she just like a cranky, cantankerous human? Or did she become angry because she was an indentured servant? Like, like I mean, I, who knows? Chicken or the egg? I know. Thing, I will say, just from doing a bunch of research in the past, especially on Time Suck, uh, of like witch stories and stories of witch burnings and stuff and like Salem witch trials. Yeah. It was very common. The property thing uh-huh. was a super common and conniving thing that these people would do. And, you know, just, you know, history is what it is. Largely dudes, always dudes. Always uh, dudes trying to regulate <laughs> the ladies. It, it, it was that. And I know that, like, widows were just, um, they just fucking weird. They weirded people out for who knows why. Like, if they didn't take a new husband, which she didn't, that was just, like, taboo. And, and it's like, what is she doing out there by herself? People's paranoid brains quickly oh, went to like witchcraft stuff. And it was a power play to just take their property for free. Mm-hmm. So, the, so the little, uh, the, you know, gaggle of dudes running these, you know, little areas, it seems like they would just for sure get together and be like, well, let's take her stuff. You oh, know? yeah. You know, that that's like a prime piece of property. We'd yep. like that. So we're just going to take it because, you know, that's yep. what. And the easiest way to take it was just be like, oh, she's a witch. And then you can make up stories and get people worked up. And then you just got to take their stuff. I hate to say, I feel like you could probably start doing that now. You, we're, we're, you, could, you could probably accuse me of being a witch and take all my stuff. Maybe not right now, but like we, we could be trending in that direction. Right. If, we, <laughs> if we lived in Florida. Um, okay. Also, I think that Anna, that yeah. that mom, like just thinking about what that was probably all about. She's probably suffering from postpartum. Like off. Oh, the one who thought that. The, yeah, exactly. The mom yeah. who thought that their baby got turned into an imp. Yeah. Yeah. But like what a. Like a long journey it's been to get to yeah. acknowledging that that is something that women suffer with. And yeah, totally. Have no control over it. They can't just, yeah. it just happens. Uh, and then the last the last little thought I wanted to share was that uh, I also often sometimes sleep with just like one ankle or foot outside of the blanket. Yeah. I don't know why that cools your body down. So like to me, if like I'm yeah. just getting too hot, like your feet and your head, just getting those out uh, in the cool air cools you down a lot. Well, I always keep my head out from under the blankets. I'm not a- right, right, right. Yeah, but just like like it, it warmth in general. Like if like well, you put a hat on in the cold. Oh, yeah, yes, yeah, I'm exactly. with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I just now realize that like 
tonight I'll be sticking my foot out. I'm going to be a little anxious. Every time I do it, I always think like, you know uh, what? Never mind. You got me so good this morning. Oh um, my God, did I ever. That was great. being freaked out, I had, I rarely remember dreams <laughs> and even more rarely remember nightmares. But I had like over the weekend, a quick little nightmare where <laughs> it was a very fast little series of images. I just remember being in our house being spooked. It was very shadowy and weird. Like something was going on. I don't, yeah. I don't remember in the dream. Like it just, I just, my memory just starts with like something had happened. Don't know what, but I'm freaked out and I'm trying to find you. And it was very like ominous feeling. And dun, I, and dun, I walked dun. from the, from the kitchen into the garage where our freezer is and the door, if, if somebody's looking in the freezer, like when you walk out, you can't see them because they're behind the door and that's where you were. Right. And I went around the corner to say something to you and you spun around and your face was demonic. It was like this messed up, like dark circles for eyes and your mouth was kind of like the scream uh, monster twisted. And right <laughs> as I'm like, oh my God, like paralyzed with fear. Then you lean in to kiss me in this monster form and push some kind of black smoke into my body. Like- like infecting me with whatever horrible stuff was happened to you. Uh-huh. And then, so then this, uh, so that and was just I, a couple nights ago. And by the way, I had completely forgotten about that this, the, yeah. by this morning when I scared you. So I come down, I, I come, I just bounce down the stairs, come back home from the gym. And then I figured you were like laying in bed, maybe still, I got up a little earlier this morning and I just didn't hear you. You were right behind the door <laughs> and you just came around the corner <laughs> in this weird little like mousey. Like this, yeah, like a weird, which you've like, I don't remember you ever doing that before. I was just trying to be silly. <laughs> it scared the shit out of me. And do you want to show everybody what your reaction was? Oh, yeah. I don't know why. It was like a weird, I didn't even yell out. Or I, I think I just did like, oh, but then I covered my eyes. Like I just stood there frozen and just like with my, like, I just didn't want to see you anymore looking you were, like you that. You were like a little kid. You were just, you just went, oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, like that would protect you in any way. But I'm like, I can't see you. I can't see you. So you can't get me. I was laughing so hard. I lied down on our bed, yeah. just like almost in tears. <laughs> oh God. That really, really got me. Oh, uh, so great. <laughs> uh, nothing like a Tuesday morning in the Cummins house. Uh, you, you ready to uh, say goodbye to an angry ghost and meet a girl who continually seems to see ghosts? Oh, sure. Take me away, Calgon. <laughs> Before we head on over to today's second story, we need to take a quick in-between story sponsor break. What is the most basic gift you have ever given the moms in your life for Mother's Day? Flowers, a candle, some random knickknack you picked up at the last minute because you completely spaced Mother's Day? I have definitely made the mistake of procrastinating gifts for Mother's Day. And then, like the Friday before, I run to whatever store is open and convince myself that, yes, yes, my mom does need another coffee mug that declares she's the <laughs> world's best. So lame. This year, how about one-upping yourself by giving the moms in your life an Aura picture frame? Named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter, Aura frames are guaranteed to bring joy to any mom at any age. Aura frames connect easily to Wi-Fi and have unlimited storage so you can share as many pictures as you want. This year, as many of you know, I am on a spending freeze, but one of my carve-outs was meaningful gifts for the people I love. I don't want to give all of the moms in our lives something that won't bring them joy. We are giving Aura frames to the moms in our world because they are timeless, heartwarming gifts. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com. Use code SCARED at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What are the things that weigh you down on a day-to-day -day basis? What kind of stress are you holding on to? Do you spend much of your day going over things in your brain over and over until they are so distracting it affects your mental health? Well, don't worry. 
you're not alone. We all carry different stressors, some big, some small. When we keep things bottled up, the results can be negative. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest without fear or judgment. It's a place to work through what is heavy on your mind and heart so that you can feel lighter and happier. I'm always holding on to something. It's the way my anxious brain works. I'm continually worried that I've done something wrong, that I've hurt the feelings of someone I love, and that I have let someone down. I'm stressed that I'm not being a good enough mom or wife. I panic that our life will implode at any given moment and it'll all be my fault. Thankfully, I have an amazing therapist who helps me talk through each of these scenarios. After each and every appointment, I feel lighter, happier, and more capable of showing up as my most authentic self. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash scared to death today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash scared to death. Summer is just around the corner. Who's excited? I know I am. With the warmer, sunnier days calling your name, the last place you're going to want to be is in your kitchen, cooking and meal prepping. Make your life easier with Factors No Prep, No Mess Meals. Factors Never Frozen, Always Fresh Meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. Think of all the extra time you will get outside in the summer sun when you aren't wasting hours in the kitchen. I think I speak for everyone when I say that the summer is the busiest time of the year. We are all trying to cram in as many things as possible, from concerts to vacations and everything in between. With Kyler home from college and Monroe on her break too, I want to spend as much time as possible with them. And while I truly love to cook, the summer is the one time of year that I'm the least interested in doing that for three meals a day. So I lean on Factor to help keep me healthy and in step with my diet. I'm obsessed with the honey yogurt pancakes for breakfast, the pork El Pastor for lunch, and the cilantro lime barramundi for dinner. So easy and saves me so much time. Head to factormeals.com slash scared to death 50 and use code scared to death 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code scared to death 50 at factormeals.com slash scared to death 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Thanks for listening to our sponsor deals, creeps and peepers. Uh, no setup uh, at all on this one, Calgon. Okay. That's uh, that, not that, how it goes. That's quite a dated reference. Uh, <laughs> we get right to it. I'm going to add it to my dance card. <laughs> okay, here we go. Time now for the tale of my daughter sees dead people. Oh, cute. I think my 11-year-old daughter is able to see ghosts. I know how that sounds, but I don't know how else to explain a variety of strange moments I've had with her. Moments that keep happening. It started when she was barely turned two. Or at least, that's when I first became aware of it. I put her down for the night, and on the way out, I turned off the fan. I know I did, because I specifically remembered thinking it was a bit cooler in her room, and I didn't want to risk her waking up cold. I didn't think of it much at the time, but now I think that cold spot was a sign of my father's spirit being present. The only way you can turn on, on that or turn that fan on or off is to pull the chain from the fan itself, which is above most adults' heads, let alone a toddler's, or by flipping the switch on the wall, which was at least six or seven feet away from her crib by the door. Neither would be remotely possible for a two-year-old to reach from her crib. When she was standing, her head was barely level to the top of the crib. So anyway, with the fan absolutely turned off, I walked out of the room. And then about an hour or so later, I walked past the room and noticed the fan was on. I should have mentioned before that no one else was home. My daughter is my wife and I's only child. And at this time, my wife, who is an RN, worked in the evening. What the heck, I thought. I walked into my daughter's room and the switch was flipped to the on position. And my daughter was standing up in her crib, wide awake, staring silently at me. Uh Uh-oh. I half-jokingly asked her, 
Who turned the ceiling fan on? I didn't actually expect an answer. But without a moment's hesitation, she simply and matter-of-factly stated, Grandpa Tom. (laughs) My blood ran cold. My dad, Tom, had died over a decade before that night in a car accident. I don't know that I had ever spoke to her about him. If I did, by that age, it was just in passing. She maybe had noticed an old photo of him in the hall, but that would have been it. I asked her again, and again she said, Grandpa Tom. I asked her the next day, and she still said, Grandpa Tom. She never wavered, always insisting it was him who turned on the ceiling fan. And even if it wasn't his ghost, who did turn it on? No one else was in the house but us. I'm positive of that. About a year later, something else happened. A lot of other things might have happened, I guess, but this was the next one I noticed. My wife and I were watching TV in the family room downstairs. We had one of those baby monitors in our daughter's room that would light light up if there was noise, like crying or talking, etc. We both noticed it started to light up. Assuming she was crying, we turned the volume up, which had been dialed down since we knew if uh, if she yelled, we'd notice. Instead of hearing crying now, we heard what sounded like her side of a full-on conversation with somebody. Laughing, seemingly answering questions. Oh, boy. Just what you would expect if someone was talking to her. But we couldn't hear any other voice. I went upstairs and asked her who she was talking to. She simply responded with, Rachel. And she pointed to an empty space between her and I. Then her arm moved like she was tracking where Rachel was heading. And when Rachel matched up with me, I felt what I can only describe as a pocket of cold air pass through my body. I still get the chill sometimes when I think about it. This would be the first of many times she said she saw Rachel. When she got a bit older, she would describe her as a blonde teenager. She said that the first time she saw her, she walked right through one of her bedroom walls, which scared her, but she quickly learned that Rachel was friendly and meant no, meant no harm. Over the years, she would add some details, mentioning that Rachel had a little sister and a brother who died in a fire, and that their father was very mean. She was both descriptive and adamant in what she was saying. One time a few years later, when my wife and I heard her talking in a room again, I asked her if she wouldn't mind taking a photo of Rachel for us. With a simple shrug of her shoulder, she said, okay. I showed her how to operate the camera and off she went. I stood behind the closed door and heard the familiar click of a photo being taken. Then I heard her say something, then another click. When she came out of the room, I asked her if she was able to take a photo of Rachel and she said yes. The first photo simply showed her room, nothing out of the ordinary. The second photo, however, was nearly pure white. Overexposed? Maybe. But when I asked her what that was, she said that was when she asked Rachel to appear. She would say uh, she would see Rachel on and off until we moved out of that house a few years later. Then in the new house, she started seeing what she simply called the baby. The first time she said she saw the baby, my daughter was taking a shower and started screaming. Oh. When I ran in, I immediately noticed in the fogged up mirror, a trail of tiny handprints. Like the baby had just crawled up the dang wall. I didn't like that one bit. My daughter didn't either. She said the baby scared her, but she didn't think it could hurt anybody. She just said she didn't like to see it. She swore the handprints weren't hers that day, and sure enough, they were much too small to be hers. They were too small to be anyone else's in our home. We moved again not long after that. In our current apartment, there are apparently several spirits. My daughter's 11 now. She said that she sometimes sees a middle-aged woman, a girl who looks like she's about five or six, and a teenage boy. She says they're all harmless, but that she doesn't like the teenage boy. She says he's mean, and that if he could, he would hurt us, but he can't. When I asked her how she knows things like that, she just shrugs her shoulders, tells me that she does. A few times, I've passed through cold spots when I'm near my daughter, and she said, that's him, daddy. I hate it when that happens. Because of all of this, my wife and I have ended up spending a lot of time poking around on paranormal forums, asking questions, and reading a lot of ghost stories. It seems that my daughter's case is pretty rare. 
My wife and I never see what she sees, and neither does anyone else. And instead of her seeing ghosts known to haunt an area, it's like she just sees whatever ghosts happen to be around, whether or not anyone else can see them. Does anyone else know of someone who has this ability? Why are some people able to see that part of the world while the rest of us cannot? Is there any way to learn how to become more sensitive to the spirit world? Even though it doesn't seem to bother her, I feel bad that my daughter has to experience living with ghosts in our home alone. That's such an interesting proposition. Can you become more sensitive? Mm-hmm. Like, could you kind of like bend her way or, or open up that, uh, that sight, that ability? Well, I certainly know we have plenty of uh, fans out there that, you know, dabble in this space and some people who are yeah. you know, professional energy healers and whatnot or energy workers. I would be curious to know what their thoughts are. My thought is that you'd inherently have to believe that mm. it's, you know, like if you walk in with skepticism, I don't think that that's really going to get you very far with that that world, yeah. you know, but it's like, I don't know. I mean, you can communicate with them. I, I, I believe yeah. you, you can at least try to communicate with them. I wonder why that skepticism is, you know, it's like the power of the human mind or something, but like, why couldn't a spirit just overpower? Well, we have heard well, stories of, well, of that happening. But I would being say, skeptical. I would say like, um, like you're getting in your own way. So yeah. it's like, oh, why can't you, you know, just quit smoking? Just like make the choice. Mm. And it's like, well, like, you know, I mean, addiction is real, but just as a, you know, kind of an example yeah. is just like, well, you know, just choose to have it or not to have it. We'll just choose to believe it or not to believe it. It's like a very, I, I just don't think it's that straightforward because you're, it's, it's hardwired in you what you believe. Like think about like if you were raised in a specific religious faith. Yeah. You can't just like wake up one day and just suddenly be like, I ah, forget all that. I don't believe it anymore. You can start to make progress and like, I don't think I believe that anymore and make your way to maybe right. exiting that faith. Or vice versa. Yeah. Right. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. You, you can find your way to- Into a, it. Yeah, into it, uh, you know, all the way to being baptized or what have yeah. you, right? So I don't think that you just like wake up one day or like, you know what? I never believed in the paranormal before, but now I do. Okay, ghost, talk to me. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like they're just sensitive to that. Like, like they would- feel that. Right, right. Which is such a curious, yeah, it's also strange. Um, but you're right, they do sometimes just show up like you yeah, don't ask rare, for it. More rare, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah variety of things. No pics are attached to the story. I tried so hard to find a good pic uh, picture of a bunch of creepy little handprints crawling up a mirror, Ugh. like in the condensation. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. The Couldn't do that. Uh, but then somehow did eventually find this gif of somebody's dog that looks like it's practicing making faces in the mirror. Like trying to make like weird faces. Oh, I've seen this. Oh, you have? Yeah. This dog cracks me up. It, it's not, <laughs> it doesn't look like it's, it's just like, it looks like it knows that that's itself. And it's like, oh, that's weird. When I move my lips like this, it does this. Gigi was staring at herself in the mirror this morning. It was so funny. I walked into our bedroom <laughs> to get dressed and she's just sitting there, you know, on the, the big yeah. mirror. And I was like, Gigi, what are you doing? Are you looking at yourself? And she looked at me and then she looked at herself. <laughs> and she looked at me and looked at herself. Who's that good looking dog? Oh, who's that cutie pie? Uh, I love that that story was from the dad's perspective as well. Oh, yeah. I didn't think of that. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. you generally, I think what we find is that it's the mom like sharing a story and oh, having yeah. to convince the dad or or male in the of the home uh, in the home to uh, believe. So, and, and I liked that there was like, uh, he didn't see anything ever. Neither uh -huh. did his wife, but like there was physical evidence of something strange happening. Like, you know, the fan being turned on when it, who was there to turn it on. Yeah. Uh, little handprints in the mirror that were too small to be his daughter's hands. A cold spot moving through him, that sensation as she's pointing towards, you know, him, you know, as opposed to just like her just saying things. Yeah. 
I was thinking the about exposed photo. Sorry. Oh no, yeah. that's okay. I was thinking about two things. One, the Grandpa Tom piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that, and also I just thought like our son is such an avid non-believer in any of this. I would just love it someday if he has a child and they're oh, having yeah. a full-on conversation, just like what's going on there, and she's like Papa Ward. Like, uh, I, I yeah, just yeah, yeah. would love it. Because also, Papa Ward loves a good prank. Mm -hmm, true. Like, he loved a good joke. Yeah, so he did. So, I think yeah. that'd be really funny. And then, also, I, what I thought was interesting and unique to this story was the daughter just, uh, in that second photo that was possibly overexposed, she's like, well, that's when I asked Rachel to appear. I, I, there's not a lot of instances of that I can think of where a person is asking a spirit to appear, like, in that way. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like, show up so I can take a photo so I can show my dad who you are or whatever. Right, right. Like, that, that is unique, yeah. Because it wasn't um, in a, we weren't doing an exorcism. We weren't trying to, like, get it to show itself. We weren't playing with uh -huh. a Ouija board. She's like, hey, Rach, can you uh, stand still and pose for the photo? Like, yeah. is what it felt like. Yeah, she had a real casual relationship with some of these ghosts. It seemed like, like not yeah, not scared. Mm -hmm. um, could communicate with them. Kind of, it seems like, kind of when she wanted to. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. Dad, it's a boy. He's right there. Well, uh -huh. no thanks. No thanks. Uh, who's hanging out with you over there today? I got, I got a red Layla and a black Layla. Okay. I like. I was just telling Tyler before the show, I really like this uh, color of red. That shade of shade red? Shade of red, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Shade of red. It's like, it reminds me of Play-Doh. Play-Doh, but it's like, it's nice where it's kind of matte, but also very vibrant. Mm-hmm. Like it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks for sharing that thought. Yeah. <laughs> like, we really love your thoughts on the color red. <laughs> Ground, oh, groundbreaking. <laughs> Revolutionary, really. Okay. This tale was told to me by my sheriff's office training officer. He told me that after he finished his time in the Navy in California in the mid-1970s, he decided to drive cross-country to get back to his hometown, which is where I met him in the 80s. He had been driving for a while and was starting to get hungry, pulled over into a diner's parking lot. Wasn't anything special, just like a million other diners spread throughout the country. He got out of his car. A waitress was standing outside smoking a cigarette. They chatted for a few minutes, and then she said she would be inside in a minute to make his order. She just wanted, wanted to finish her smoke. Ironically, she said she was just getting some fresh air. He went inside, grabbed a menu, and sat at the counter. It was a small place, just eight stools at the counter and no tables. As he was looking at the menu, another waitress came out from the back and asked what he'd like to drink. He ordered coffee, and she went to the back. The first waitress came in and asked, what he'd like to drink. And he said that the other lady went to get it. The waitress stared at him for a long minute and then asked if he was fucking with her. <laughs> no. What did she mean? She looked at him for another long minute, then took off her apron, threw it on the counter and walked out saying, that's it. I quit. Finding the behavior to be odd, he poked his head in the back to tell the other lady what had happened. Only no one was back there. The back door was chained shut from the inside. He got a weird feeling and he walked out. The waitress was on the payphone talking to someone about picking her up a fresh cigarette clutched in a trembling hand. She begged him not to leave until her ride got there, and he did agree to stick around. He asked what was going on, and the waitress said, That waitress inside? Was she middle-aged with short blonde hair? He said yes, and then she started shaking. He asked her if she was okay, and she said no. That bitch died two years ago, and she wouldn't say anything more about it. She just stood there, chain-smoking and trembling, until some guy pulled up. She hopped in the car, and they took off, never to be seen again. He got in his car, intending to find another place to eat. When he looked through the diner window, he could swear he saw the second waitress 
waving at him. Ah. He wasn't a believer in the supernatural, but he pulled out of the parking lot, squealing his tires, and he didn't stop for another 200 miles. Shout out to my wife, Wendy. <laughs> oh, that, I, I love little ones like that. Uh-huh. Uh, the dining setting is cool. I, I never thought of that angle of like that. I love that where you have like a waitress come to your table and then like another one come and do the same thing. And like, oh, no, no, we're good. Because I mean, that and that does happen, you know, all like you know, all the time where people's like stations get, you know, crisscrossed or whatever. They're like in the middle of about to change something number of reasons and then but to have that other person be like wait what uh-huh. who no like like i'm the only waitress here uh-huh. man that, that's a that would be that would be a great paranormal experience because that's like intense uh-huh it is a little scary but the but the spirit didn't do anything overtly scary you know just uh, just, just wanted to get him some coffee man. just trying to yeah just trying to be helpful actually and, and it would just be such clear proof yeah. of that i just saw a dead person fair enough yeah. And the confirmation of the waitress working there who like this clearly was yeah. not the first time that something had happened. Right, right, right. Because you're not stomping out quitting on the first supposed encounter, I don't think. I love a diner in horror uh, movies too. Where it's, I mean, I love diners in general, but like oh, in, in I love horror a diner. movies, I just picture like, you know, it's night, it's raining hard, uh-huh. people like coming into that little like, you know, like you open the doors and there's vestibule. a little vestibule and then you go into the main room. I can picture like the 50s diner set up with like the red stools in front of the counter it's and probably then the turquoise booths. on the outside, uh-huh. silver chrome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lots of chrome. Little jukebox in the corner. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like all of that stuff. And it's just, uh, and then- I don't, I don't know why that's a good setting in like horror movies, but it's just uh, like as opposed to a restaurant. I don't know if a diner conveys a, a greater sense of just like strangers or people oh. passing through the area mm. or something as opposed to a restaurant maybe being more local. I don't know what it is. It's just a uh, – I wonder if it's like – uh, emotion. Well, diners in general have a – a vibe of like the past, you know, yeah. the, you're not really seeing like a new fifties diner type thing being right. built. And if you are, it's just, you know, like a retro look. Yeah. Right. So it's an older building mm-hmm. and who knows how long it was there before that. Yeah. And like in this situation, I'm thinking of essentially like a truck stop diner, like, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. like a longer road or whatever. Um, but then also I think, so I, I can hear your angle on like people passing through, but then the other side for me is like, a diner kind of evokes like a homey, cozy feeling to me because it's like you're going in for like a big hearty meal. You're getting that yeah. open face turkey dinner type yeah, sandwich. Yeah, there's also a lot of positive stuff too. Right, right. And it feels like kind of cozy. And so mm. that juxtaposition of like, oh, like warm, cozy, comfort food. Yeah. The sweet waitress who's worked there forever, who's somebody's mom, smashed against this idea of it being fucking scary. I think it, yeah. it gives us that like, it's not supposed to be like this and it makes us uncomfortable. I. I, I like if I'm picturing a scene in my head where somebody has seen a ghost and they're meeting a friend to talk to them about having seen a ghost. Yeah. Uh, like an old kind of little bit beat up diner uh-huh. is tonally so much more correct for my brain for whatever reason. Like they, they just grab a coffee. Mm-hmm. Maybe one of them has some eggs or something. Slice of pie. Yep. As opposed to like, we're going to sit down and have a nice meal together. Yeah. And yeah. share the information. I don't see somebody going to like Ruth Chris's steakhouse and being like, ooh, I'm really scared to be yeah. in here. Yeah, that would, it'd be so weird in a movie if like, you know, you're, you're meeting up with a buddy to tell them about this ghost that's freaking you out. And, and you're then, at like the Ponderosa buffet. Right, right. The Ponderosa, or just like a really nice restaurant <laughs> where they like their, their um, sommelier. Or, sommelier. Sommelier, yeah, yeah, yeah. The wine person comes out and like, you know, what do you like? Here's what we have like tonight. like pulling out your chair, putting your napkin in your right. lap. There's no prices on the menu. You know you're going to be broke after you leave. Yeah, you're constantly just being interrupted by this like very well-dressed waitress or waiter as you're like, uh, Mr. And, Cummins. And, and then I just keep hearing like a voice from the basement. And then like, uh, would you, would you like that as a special? We have the, the Chilean escargot? sea bass. 
like now, <laughs> yeah. now it's it's just but for but it's I don't know why that is. Yeah, I don't know why that would not be a good place to share that information as opposed to a diner. Which <laughs> may oh go ahead. <laughs> I apologize. Hello, Tyler. It reminds me of that movie Priest. Did you guys see that? No, I know mm-hmm. of it, but I missed it. Yeah, there's like a there's like a perfect scene in that where you guys are talking about where it's just like a middle of nowhere along this route diner. Yeah, it's just crazy, and it and it fits right. It works. What, Absolutely. What yeah. TV show were we watching? I like mm. not, it is. I cannot get it out of my head. It might be Yellow Jackets, but there's like a flashback scene of like kids. Standing outside of like a liquor store driving uh, and like they throw the bottle at a car. Oh man. I mean, I that's like a hundred movies. I know. But yeah. I, but I think it was Yellow Jackets, but like it has that like small town vibe. I think that's the other thing about like the diner. It just makes me feel like, I don't know, like just a small town comfort. Everybody knows everybody. So when like mm-hmm. the one person walks into the diner that nobody knows, it's like that rec- record scratchy yeah. kind of feeling. And I think in horror movies too, a lot of people are like, they're being tormented and they're already down on their luck. And they just want a cheap meal. Yep. And a diner, like like that blue light special and stuff. The perfect diner. I think it has been used in a bunch of di- movies. I want a diner meal right now. I want Ray's. Wasn't Ray's that one on Olympic? Oh, and, and it's man. Like, if yes. If it, you're in SoCal. Oh, man. In the LA area. Uh, it's so like good. On like Olympic, a family owned. Yep. Just west of the 405. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I think it's cash only. Yeah, it's cash only, mm-hmm. cheap prices. So Looks good. like it's been the exact same setup for 50 years at least, if not more. Probably. I think it is turquoise and red now that I'm thinking about that yeah, one. Yeah, actually more like 80 years. Like, like, like look, looks like it's like in the 40s or something it was put together. Uh, and it's just great, simple diner food and the best ambiance. And then there is just like good old 50s diner. Yes, yes. That we also love. All right, let's uh, get back on track. Okay. All right. Uh, it would help if I looked at the right story. Dear Sir and Lady Spoop, I am no stranger to the paranormal. I have encountered spirits, possible cryptids, and definite UFOs. Some with others to witness and some not. Uh, Whoa. One second, sorry. (laughs) All of them I love to tell theatrically to try to get people to ponder the possibilities. But what happened last summer in 2022 is something I have a hard time telling others. Whether that is due to people doubting my sanity or my own fear of what actually happened is yet to be determined. I have decided this is the perfect story to share with you and my fellow listeners. So buckle up because this may take a minute and will hopefully scare your fuzzy socks off. It was late May, early June of last year. My cousin and aunt were planning a trip to Tennessee. They'd asked me if I would dog sit my cousin's dog, Max, while they were gone. She told me I could stay at her house, eat her food and drink her beer as long as I fed Max and gave him his meds twice a day. As a 24-year-old living in a three-bedroom condo with her two brothers and grandma currently sleeping on the pull-out couch in the living room, this sounded pretty cool. Even if it meant rooming with a stinky old beagle for four days. (laughs) On the third day, I came back from work and decided to pick up a pizza from the only place still open. I came back, stuffed my face, threw Max a bite of a breadstick, and decided it was time to sleep. I stripped down to my t-shirt and underwear, called Max up to the bed, set my vape pen next to my earrings on the nightstand, and laid down to sleep. I want to preface this next part by saying I do not dream often, and when I do, things are strange. Things like, I'm late to my college class, but my class is inside of a mire, and I'm trying to juggle five textbooks while handling a patty melt while running to my class. Stupid. As well as the fact that before this, I'd never been to my cousin's house. So when I tell you that I wish I could say this was a dream, I really wish I could. 
At some point in the middle of the night, I woke up and I walked out of my cousin's room. I did not feel like I was in my physical body, so floated out of the room might be a better description. I left her bedroom, could see the other bedroom and bathroom down the hall, and turned out of the hallway. Directly from her hallway is the front door and mudroom, complete with Grand Rapids-style archways. Ducking through the archway was a nine-foot-tall being, and another was ducking through the front door, hand still on the knob. The easiest way I can describe this being is to say that they looked like the greys. Very tall, very thin, long arms and legs, long round heads, and dark, dark gray. When I saw them, they froze and looked at me. Hey, what are you guys doing here? I asked, like they were longtime friends that I wasn't expecting to drop by. And then everything goes black, and the next thing I remember, I'm back in my cousin's bed with these two beings now standing next to it. I look around, and everything is exactly how I had left it the night before. I was struggling to get up, but I couldn't because one of the two tall gray beings is holding a large pitcher and pouring cold liquid onto me. I struggle against the invisible force holding me down for a moment longer before everything goes back black again. At some point later, in my half-asleep days, I'm cold and I'm lying in a wet spot. I'm unable to wake up fully but attempt to pull the covered sheet over me, curl up in a ball for warmth, and drift back to sleep. Later, I woke up a bit more, but only enough to get up and grab a few towels, lie them down, and then crawl back on top of the wet stop. Wet spot. When I fully woke up a bit later, I think I must have peed the bed. I spring up and examine myself in the bed. My clothes aren't soaked. They're damp, but only where I was lying on them. And my underwear isn't wet or gross feeling. The blanket also is not wet. I then realized how big the wet spot really is. Did I sweat that much? I did somewhat remember having strange dreams that night. I do a quick small test, a smell test, but there's no odor. I check the pillow where I was laying and it's dry. I quickly changed my clothes and stripped the bed. Regardless of what or how it happened, my cousin was coming back today and I didn't want her bedding all gross when she got there. I brought the bedding and my damp clothes downstairs and threw them in the wash. And when I came back up and saw the wet spot on the mattress, the events from the night before started to come back in full. The spot on the bed spanned from the very top of the mattress to the very bottom. It started and ended in points, but swelled in the middle like an ellipse. I tried my best not to start hyperventilating. There was no way I had peed or sweated in perfect shapes. I told myself I had had a strange dream, but then thought, it all took place here, exactly as everything was now. And that had, had never happened to me before. Even if I had dreamt of everything as it is now, how did the wet spot get there? I may never know exactly what happened that night, but I have to believe, based on the physical evidence, that something did in fact happen that night. Looking back, the lack of fear I had at the initial sight of them paired with the fact that they could hold me down meant that they had some sort of power over me, but they didn't harm me. I don't think I had any reason to fear them or believe they meant me harm, but it also has left lots of room to ponder the events and be uncomfortable with the unknown. Who were they? What did they pour on me? Why? <laughs> Why me? And most importantly, and most anxiety-inducing, I wonder, will they ever come back? I've never heard of that before, of like uh, having uh, something poured on you by one of these. Me either. I, I had the most ridiculous thought pop up in my head. Share it. <laughs> Where I was picturing like highly advanced extraterrestrial race of beings. Yes. And then like, you know, like whatever, this group of beings in their spaceship able to do what they want on Earth. Uh, maybe part of a group of, you know, uh, other aliens where they do like real scientific experiments on us. Maybe they're protecting us, helping us, evolving us, whatever. But then like, just like there's weirdos 
on Earth and people who have weird senses of humor. I was picturing an alien with a weird sense of humor where he just like goes around and paralyzes people and then just pours some water on them. <laughs> and like, there's no point to it other than he just thinks it's funny for them to have to like be left with the question of like, what was that? Why would they do it? When are they going to do it again? Like he's not hurting anybody, just cracking up his maybe alien buddies. What's like, how do we do? You just pour water on somebody again? Dude, three this week. <laughs> like, like trying to make it a thing where more people have like, I'm like oh my God, me too. I also got poured on. What, what, what are they pouring? I'm done. Okay. It did make, it did take me back to, I believe it was just last week's episode where we had a guy in his military barracks who also woke up. Yeah. And his bed was wet, but he was not. Yes. Yeah. That was last week, the week before. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. what is going on with it? Is it the same alien? Is he going around making things wet? Yeah. Is, is, is he, is he is, a busy wet guy? Is that alien? And, I, and I'm not serious about this, but also this could be a thing where it's like, it just could be a thing. Is there just a lot of bedwetters who don't want to accept that they're wet in the bed and be like, God damn. I know, I know, but the way he described it, he wasn't both wet. Both of them. Yeah, both right, of them. Exactly. Neither one of them had like yeah. wet underwear. I know that would be the weird thing. I mean, and I like that he went to sweat. He's like, did I sweat a lot? But then was bothered by the very like, perfect like shape I know of the things. shape thing is weird. And I was even trying yeah. to think about, okay, if it was from the upper corner... If they had said like upper corner only and like this ellipse shape, I was thinking, well, like, I guess it could have been like the outline of a shoulder. I mean, I don't know why the yeah. mattress would get wet only here and like not right. um, not soak underneath your shoulder. Because that's the thing about a mattress is it's absorbent. Yeah, so most, it yeah. would like spread around. It shouldn't hold a shape. I mean, it was just weird. Have you guys ever seen astronauts eat liquid in space? Uh, no. I can't remember. Yeah. So like, there's because this, it just kind of like floats. Yeah? yeah, it floats. So what if these people are getting transported into space <gasps> where there's no gravity um, and then instantly transported back and that bubble of liquid, whatever the liquid is, just like spl- like transports with them oh. and splashes specifically in a location on their bed. Like they're teleported out, out, out somewhere. Okay. Yeah, and everything okay. around them that they want to go out. That would be the coolest thing uh it would make sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Teleport- like, teleportation. Like, oh, so go ahead. You like get teleported out. They're like doing experiments on you. Somehow, you, you know, there's like water on the mattress. Yeah. That would make sense. You come back that the mattress is wet, but not you. Yeah. But that's thinking that aliens don't have or don't have gravity on their ships, which seems very low tech for them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true too. Well, maybe they have these like gra- any, gravity chambers. Any aliens out there, if you, if you can, want to send us a message, if you can teleport, I will happily, if you'll show me teleportation, you can, you can do whatever kind of experiments you want on me. Whoa, 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 whoa. I said on me. Whoa, whoa, whoopsie. I have to live with you. What if they poke your brain? What if they give you a lobotomy? I don't, well, a- aliens. Just please leave my brain alone. Alien. Well, and some other parts. Uh, aliens. <laughs> I like my husband in one human form piece with a fully functioning body and brain. So <laughs> easy on the experiments. You, you ready my, for one more? I am. Okay. Hey, Dan. Hey, Lindsay. For the story I'm going to tell you, I will say that this isn't your usual kind of scare as I could not tell you what it was. I'm out. Oh, okay. All right. And that's our show. (laughs) Thank you to... You you threw me off. Sorry, sorry. However, I do know something happened. Before beginning, here's a bit of background. When I was six or seven years old, my family and I had been living in this small house with two bedrooms and two bathrooms for some time. My older sister and I shared a room where our bunk beds faced our closet and I slept on the bottom bunk. Now, I've always been sensitive to the other side. As my great-grandmother likes to say, I was born with the dead. 
For more of an explanation on that, I was a twin, but sadly she passed away and was stillborn. Everyone in my family believes that I can feel and sense things that others cannot because of this. I had always felt something off in mine and my sister's room, but I could never tell what it was. The closet scared me the most, and I would constantly ask my dad to come scare the monsters out of the closet. It was another usual night. I had asked my dad to come scare the monsters away, and then he said goodnight, and I went to bed. However, that night when going to sleep, I had the most vivid dream about a tall woman with long black hair pulled into a bun coming out of my closet. She had long arms that were so long, I thought she would be able to reach out and grab me. She was smiling at me as if to tell me she was going to take me. I was so scared I wanted to scream, to move, to do anything, but I couldn't. I could only lie there and watch as she slowly stalked towards me. I could feel the tears prickling in my eyes. Just as she was about to take the last few steps to become right next to me, I woke up. I sat up in bed and looked around. My closet door was wide open, and this freaked me out because I knew my dad had closed it. Just as I was about to scream for my dad, I saw a woman in white standing next to my bed. She was beautiful. I had no longer felt scared looking at her. She had a warm smile as she came over and hugged me. Even though I had never seen this woman before, I felt as though I had known her my whole life. Be not afraid. I am here, child, the woman in white said in a soft voice. In her embrace, I felt safe and protected as I drifted off to sleep. The next morning, I woke up in my bed under my covers. Was it all a dream? I wondered. To this day, I still don't know. My father loves to tell me that a guardian angel came to my aid that night. For why? We are not sure. Now and then, I think back to the tall woman who was slowly creeping into my bed and wonder if the woman in white had protected me that night from whomever that woman was. Sometimes, I wonder, what would have happened if the woman had grabbed me that night? And to this day, I sleep every night, making sure my closet is closed with something heavy up against it so that I know for sure nothing can come out of it. Your forever creeper, Nicole. Thanks, Nicole. Closets. Two ladies in the closet. One bad, one good. Dun, dun, dun. The the first lady, the the dark lady with the with the like dark bun, I yeah. think, like long hair. Like, like, like pulled back, low yeah, bun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Low bun. And then um, the long arms. Uh-huh. There's, I, I don't know, I don't know why, like disproportionate like, uh. or, or like humanoid, humanoid things with Odd proportions, yeah. so much scarier to me than humanoid things with regular proportions. Like if I have a choice between seeing two dark ladies, like yes. shadowy ladies coming out of my closet, yeah. and one of them has like human proportions, uh-huh. but the other one has anything odd, like super long neck, super long arms, super long like any of that, no thank you. Like the terrifyingness is like exponentially increased. But what if it's like just go-go gadget arms? Like if it, okay, if it's go-go gadget arms and the ghost looks exactly like Inspector Gadget. You're okay. Then I just assume I've had a stroke or something. (laughs) What were you and Kyler just talking about with go-go gadget? (laughs) It's a meme. It's his favorite meme. Oh my God. I wish I could remember how it is. Him and I were dying laughing. No, no, don't don't spoil it. Let me see if I can set it up. Okay. It's like, I think it's, um, (laughs) somebody, it's like, uh, what do you do? Um. Somebody has a gun to your head and they ask you if you have any last words. What are your last words? And the meme is, <laughs> go, go, gadget, bulletproof head. <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't know if I just butchered it, but the me it's so funny to us. Just like someone is going to like, man, they got a gun right to your head. They're like, you're, you're fucking dead. Uh, what are your last words? Go, go gadget, bulletproof head. <laughs> Kyler's theory was that obviously, you know, we know nothing would happen, but that it would throw the person off so much. They'd be like, what? It would maybe give you knock, a chance. Maybe knock the gun away. To get away. So <laughs> it is so funny. If to you me. find yourself with a gun to your head, please try go, go gadget, bulletproof go, head. Go gadget, bulletproof and head. And report back. <laughs> I like that it's just bulletproof head, not even your whole body. Just you got a bulletproof head. Oh, I don't, that is, it's so funny to me. Uh, you and Kyler have the most ridiculous conversations. It is yes. like walking around with two teenage boys, not one. <laughs> Sweet. Sweet. Okay. And that's it. And that's it. Those are my three stories. Go, go, gadget, bulletproof stories. Um, do you want to thank some Annabelles? I do, I do. I would like to thank the following Annabelles for the continued support on Patreon. And I don't know if it's you guys out there spreading the word about the show. Who is ever doing it? Good job. Corey March, Jacqueline Johnson, Deanna Deanna Weigarber. Weigarber? Oh man. Frogs love Lindsay. I don't care. I hate them. Brandy Brandy Campmeyer, Robin Daughtry. Jimena or Jimena, Fernando Ramirez, Christopher Sturtz, and Dylan Coons. Thank you. I'll take the following Annabelle's Stephanie Wozniak, uh, Lorraine Laux, Trinity Rife, Brittany Dirks, Nick Cummins. Maybe, hey, re- maybe relative. Are we related? Are we related? Crystal at Raving Crochet, Tiffany Castleberry, Katharina Tingland. Katarina? Katharina, K-A-T-H-A-R-I-N-A. Katarina. But with an H, Katharina. No, Katharina. Katharina. Oh, say. Okay, maybe Katharina. You can let us know. Tingland. Uh, Phyllis Love and Iron Zealot. How's that go? Iron Zealot. We recently got bum, a- bum, 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 Okay. I don't know what I was going to say. We recently? Somebody like DJ Honey. Oh, no. You recently have like a counterpart to DJ Honey. Oh, yes. It was like DJ Honey's like guest or, uh, yes, shoot. or producer or something. I, I couldn't remember. Because <laughs> I, was, I was thinking that Iron Zealot would be like a good addition to round out the threesome there. Iron Zealot's way too intense for DJ Honey. I know, but it's like they're constantly like fighting. Like sometimes Iron Zealot. Iron Zealot is the DJ next door. Ooh. Like it does the hard rock station next to the adult and contemporary. They're, they're in a battle for ratings in Charlotte. Yes. And yeah, Iron Zealot. <laughs> He's like the metalcore uh, DJ. Yeah, exactly. He's the <laughs> metalcore guy. What's up, honey? Oh, get out of here, Iron Zealots. I got a show to do. <laughs> oh, I was just thinking Gotta get back to the buzz. Sometimes, sometimes Iron Zealot has to cover for DJ Honey, and he just oh, wrecks everything that DJ Honey does. Ooh, Iron Zealot on the buzz would be bad. Yeah. All right, rockers. Are you ready for some Richard Marks? <laughs> Are you ready for Richard Marks? Oh, boy. I will be right here. I knew you were going to go to that. Okay. Spoopy shout outs to Nala Kiona, a.k.a. Bug Bug from Mama and Daddy. Happy birthday. We're so proud of you. We love you to the moon and back. To Maddie from Nathan. You're absolutely perfect. To Anna, a.k.a. Monkey from Simon, a.k.a. Stinky. (laughs) (laughs) The bakery would be nothing without you. Thank you for being my rock and my best mate. They have a bakery somewhere and in Amherstburg, Ontario. They didn't give me a name, so find them and support them. 
To Edwin, wait for it, Gonzalez from Siena, happy 27th birthday. And to Tyler from Pickle and Siggy, of course, can't wait to say I do on Friday the 13th and spend the rest of our spoopy lives together. Love you always. That's so cute. That's a lot of cute ones. Uh, That's our show. Thanks for continuing to send in your personal tales of terror to my story at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. You can email us, as always, for anything else at info at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. Thank you to Tyler C. for uh, producing directing today. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking A, Tyler. Zach Cohen for custom sound bed creation. Heather Rylander for organizing the My Story emails. Oh, man, you really made you jump. Maybe jump too. But uh, Book editor Drew Atana for polishing and preparing listener stories for book number five. Uh, thanks to producer Olivia Lee for finding the first story I told this week and to Sarah Finch for finding the second. Subscribe to Bad Magic Productions on YouTube if you want to watch the show in addition to listening. And you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram or on TikTok. Tickety-tockety. If you want to see uh, little snippets and the pictures that go with the episodes on Facebook and Instagram, all of that is at Scared to Death Podcast. And there's a Facebook group, Creeps and Peepers, with thousands of horror-loving members who want to meet you. Um, if you don't want to hear ads and you do want monthly bonus episodes, please check out our Patreon. Get the entire catalog ad-free. Get your name shouted out on the show. Enjoy your nightmares, Creeps and Peepers. Hope you were scared to death. Hope to see you at summer camp in a month. Bye. If spirits threaten me in this place, fight water by water and fire by fire. Banish their souls into nothingness and remove their powers until the last trace. Let these evil beings flee through time and space. Evil may pass through but has no home here within scared to death. Thank you to Tyler C. for uh, producing directing today. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking A, Tyler. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better, too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. 